Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 17, Accession. Teleplay by Jane Espenson and directed by Les Lando. Accession aired on February 24th, 1996. This week on Deep Space Nine, a 300-year-old Bajoran ship comes through the wormhole, and its passenger claims that he is the emissary of the prophets. Wild. Some wild shit. What an episode. What a, what a wild time on Deep Space Nine. Elise, did you or did you not remember this episode? I remembered that someone came through the wormhole and thought that they and said that they were the emissary and like vaguely that there was some very um, retro opinions had by this person. But I didn't remember the (laughs) specifics like once I was watching it, like the cast system stuff kind of was familiar, but I didn't remember. Yeah, I obviously will never forget. Worf finding out that Keiko is pregnant again and having the, like, <laughs> sorry, I'm out of town that day um, in seven months from now uh, reaction. So I did remember that part, just not what episode it was in. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those, like, episodes where it's 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 not, I think, one of, like, the best episodes of Deep Space right. Nine, but it's, like, has those memorable elements. So you start watching, it's like, oh, it's this one. It's the one where blah, 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 right? So. Yeah. And it's it's kind of nice from my perspective to have another um, Bajoran uh, religious kind of emissary episode because they'd been told by the studio to stay away from them because the uh, ratings they felt were were lower for the religion episodes. And it's kind of funny to to read that now because I think that exploration of you know faith and the way it you know links with some of the other themes of Deep Space Nine and everything else is like part of why I think Deep Space Nine really endures. Yeah. I'm thinking about cast systems right now. Uh, yeah, no, go off. Tell, tell me all your feelings on cast systems well, and how I much think, you love them. <laughs> I think we know that cast systems are bad. Um, I, the ones I most commonly know about are um, in India, which um, I've done some school projects on India, uh, working in India because... When I went to school, I was also working at a company that had has an office still work there that has an office in India. So I was very interested in in their culture around business. Um, technically, the caste system in India is prohibited, but from everything I've heard and researched, it it's very much still a part of society. Um, but there's also technically a caste system within Judaism that I had kind of forgotten about until recently. Um, It has to do with your surname. So unlike how a lot of people find that Judaism is related to your maternal line, like if your mother's Jewish, you're Jewish, um, this caste system is actually based on your father's line. So the first um, caste is uh, Cohen, which and then next is Levi and then there's like everyone else (laughs) so there's like a few last names where like if that's your last name you're in the Cohen um tribe and like you might get honors at your synagogue before everyone else and that kind of thing so like 
I do feel like some synagogues don't do that. And I vaguely remember when I was a kid knowing that that was like somewhat of a big deal. Um, And it's just very, it's very weird. I think like the Coens were like the, you know, was like the most priestly of casts. And then the Levi, Levi would like sing during the service and then everyone else was everyone else. Um, I don't really know because I'm not part of any synagogue now if this is something that is only in certain denominations or religious, like more, I don't know if it's just like a more religious thing. Um, I grew up at a conservative synagogue and I definitely remember at least it being discussed. I don't know if it was being discussed jokingly or seriously because I was a child. Maybe somewhere in between. Yeah, again, probably. it's not an orth- it wasn't an orthodox synagogue, Correct, but you yeah. know, it's not like it was reformed, mm-hmm. right? So no, it was conservative. Yeah. Conservative. It's conservative is in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything? Sorry, now we're going a little bit You're off fine. topic, but like, is there anything like past reform that's like even more like lowercase like liberal in their interpretations, or or is it just like? There are sub branches like within reform synagogues that will have like different focuses, like you know Miriam's place in the Seder and like things like that. Like, are there are there degrees of reform synagogues? I guess I'm asking. I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, definitely reform is like the more liberal Judaism or progressive Judaism. Um, but I do think that if there are denominations within that, I. I'm just not aware because that's not the tradition that I grew up in. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, and the whole, like, idea of, like, caste systems is not something I have any, like, lived, like, experience right. with kind of, like, traditional course. I have, like, have an awareness of, of what it is and how it works. But I think in some ways, and, like, I don't think this is too, too much of a stretch to say, um under capitalism the ways in which you know we rank people and their value and their contribution and how much we listen to them based on you know how much wealth and 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 power and and privilege they have Mm -hmm. it's it's not organized like as but it still exists it's organized systemically but it's not like a full-on caste system but it's not yeah not that either right like you like a caste system is is related to um your birth like your status even at birth and like you can grow into being a rich and famous person technically not most of us cannot do that but like some people weren't born into being wealthy and yeah like like, they still would be considered like above the rest of us yeah no fair enough where it's like again we know this isn't how capitalism actually functions but what its proponents will say is like again you can do that bootstrap thing and like change your your stars and your like your social standing your social standing but under a caste system like you really you it's a hard stop even though capitalism is also mostly a hard stop um yes but yeah i mean i just was thinking like people like like Taylor Swift obviously came from a well-off family, but like her family wasn't as rich as she is now. Like her, that is like an example I was thinking of. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no, no. I like there are definitely like, but like that's know, like one little and, like, example. Exceptions yeah. to the rule. Yeah, but, but like mostly, yeah, you know, it's... rich people help other rich people, so it's very insular, and that, um, 
Yeah, if you don't know anyone that's, like, in a different caste than you or a different, like, economic level than you, that you may not have any success gaining any more money or power. Totally. Totally. It's, like, how rich kids get all the internships or whatever because all of their parents work at, you know, The connections, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the kids who have less, families have less money, don't get as many um, chances to you know work in fields and stuff so not the field like i meant like job fields not like a literal field um because yeah no i their families i got yeah don't i got have yeah. those connections yeah you know what i mean i got you yeah totally um what else was i gonna say about it it's interesting to me the ways in which this episode and we'll we'll probably get into it a bit more later but the idea of oh fudge what's his name akaron a quorum yeah a quorum returning and like doing this return to the jajaras to the cast and he's like oh he's from 300 years in the past it's like this is such like an old way of thinking and then we find out from kira that the jajaras were done away with during the occupation so people could like organize together and and form a resistance against the cardassian occupation which Again, it's Star Trek, so some of the dates can be a little fuzzy and are contradicted sometimes, but on average, about most sources said that the Cardassian occupation lasted about 50 years, and we yeah. know it just ended a couple of years ago. So that's like that's like pretty recent. That's like us saying we like did away with a caste system in you know, North America or in Canada and the US, like in the fifties. In the late fifties, early sixties. It's just like Wow. It kind of reminds me of how people don't think that, um, not people don't think, sorry, that's not, like, the right way I wanted to say that. Like, people's parents are, were affected by Jim Crow laws and stuff, and, like, yeah, people think, some people think that it was further generations ago that had to deal with, um, more, uh, with, like, that kind of racism and i say that because like obviously there are still plenty of uh, there's plenty of racism to go around still um yeah but a lot of people think like martin luther king jr like he that he was like ancient or something yeah um not the case yeah i like i think in some degrees that's like a factor of just time and how like time works like totally not related to anything we were just talking no, about but i saw yeah. i saw um what do we call tweets on blue sky posts? i'm calling them posts i am not calling them skeets or whatever skeet 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 <laughs> i saw a, a tweet on blue sky a post on um, blue sky. i say it's post on, on blue, blue sky. sky all the time and i ha- always correct myself and i'm like who am i correcting myself for yeah. Um anyways, I saw a post on, on Blue Sky that was like one of those math posts that it realized that Alan Moore's first issue of Swamp Thing um was released like 41 years ago and that puts us from ne- then the same distance as the original like Captain America like number 1 between when the first Swamp Thing episode one ha- happened at like 41 years and so it's just like yeah time right or like someone like we have adults now who like weren't legal adults especially in canada because it's 18 um as opposed to 21 who like weren't alive when like 9 11 happened and like that's such like a 
major event in world history yeah. and even in, like your life and mine like individually and to them it's just the before times i'm gonna right? be like, an asshole a little crazy. bit and tell you that it was 51 years ago sorry like, only yeah. because i'm 41 and i was like that doesn't sound right the swamp thing you mean yeah it was 1972 oh, okay. um sorry i, I thought it was the 80 yeah sorry no but worries. i also googled it and it was 20 cents that's no, this is Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, or... Oh, never mind. I misunderstood. Yeah, it was Alan Moore writing Swamp Thing. Hold on. Not Swamp Thing in general. I really looked it up because I wanted to see if it came out on my birthday. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's not Swamp Thing in general. It's Alan Moore writing Swamp no, Thing, know, which is like this I iconic... I find like... out if it was my birthday. Because did it... don't comic books come out on Wednesdays? Typically, yeah. Well, I was born on a Wednesday... February 11th. So I was born a month and a half before it was born. <laughs> it came out a month and a half before I was born. Okay. I got excited. So the post math checks out. Yeah. Sorry for trying to correct you and being completely wrong. No, no, it's just not, that's nothing to do with that. It was just confusion. I wasn't I wasn't clear about what the fleet I saw no, you was were not clear. A whatever just... it is forgot alan moore was part of the equation speaking of blue sky if you're cool and you need an invite to blue sky i have a bunch so <laughs> like um, email us email us at podrace at gmail.com and we can hook you up if we think it, you're a nazi we will not give you one sorry yeah, I mean, we'll do some vetting. We'll, like, you know, <laughs> give us some of your other social handles and, you know, everything else. And, you know, maybe your your sin number, too. And uh... <laughs> actually, it's called something different in the States, isn't it? Because, like, sin is social insurance number. Oh. What's your, like... Social security number? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> give yeah. us your SSN, please. Um, yeah, I didn't know what that... What you what you meant but yeah social insurance number okay, so yeah, similar is, sort of thing social security number so ssn um please do not give me your social security number because if something bad happens to you i do not want to be on the suspects list so did you want to jump into the b plot really quickly <laughs> and then we <laughs> can get me out and then we can and then we can go I'm into like you know the matt loses his mind about yes. you know religion and meaning seeking and meaning creating yes. and as if Longtime listeners of this podcast haven't heard me go off on any of that before. No, I want to hear you go off on it for sure. So to set the scene, the beat plot is O'Brien's been living the life as a bachelor for the past year, going on hollow sweet uh, adventures with Julian while Keiko has been on Bajor doing her survey. Um, And it feels very much like Keiko and Molly have returned for good. Uh, at least that's the impression I'm getting. I don't really remember. Like, she's still working on it, but she it seems like she could do this work from Deep Space Nine now. So Keiko shows up and Molly announces that um, she's going to have a little brother. And O'Brien is, like, very much... I got the impression he does... He wants a kid, but he also thought he would have more time, like, fucking his wife to try to have a kid. And, like, <laughs> it, it all happened so fast. So he was more excited about the fucking than the actual baby part. But I also think, like, you just... It's, like, the equivalent of, like, your 
kid telling you that your wife is pregnant, like, at the train station or airport. So it's like, okay, it's maybe, like, not the message he thought he was going to get in that scenario. So I don't want to, like, I want to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's just a little, like, difference to me, or or weird to me, that it's like she told Molly before she told Miles. I mean, she probably had to take her with her to, like, the doctor? I don't know. Like, I don't know how babysitting is. That is a little weird. But I also feel like maybe it was at a point where, like, they couldn't hide. She couldn't hide it from Molly, and, like, maybe she wanted to tell Miles in person. No, I can get one and tell yeah. Miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, it's funny because like, oh, the doll is this your little brother? It's like this little this Bajoran yeah. doll, yeah. honestly, because it has the ridges. Yeah, and it's I did like... notice that. <laughs> um, one thing I thought was really funny though was like when Julian and um, Miles are like having a drink. Like, I guess it's yeah. like the next day or something, and Julian's just like, yeah, he like thinks that he can give parenting advice, which is fucking weird. Um, I get that he's a doctor, but he is not a parent, so it's just really... I heard the second one's easier. Like, that is not something that I think is true, um, or something Julian would know is true. I mean, I obviously don't have children, but from everything I've heard, it's not easier. You're just more tired and you let things slide more. Like, that doesn't mean it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we get the scene of Quark telling Worf, uh, Keiko, you hear Keiko's pregnant, <laughs> or ha- sorry, Keiko's having a baby, and Worf is just like, now? <laughs> um, so I actually recently, since I'm on season nine, sorry, season nine does not exist of TNG. Um, that's what we would call first contact, I guess. Um, the second movie. Um, I love the episode where Worf delivers Molly. It's um, season five, episode five of TNG, Disaster. And, like, everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong in this episode um, on the Enterprise. And it was just, like, insane. You, you People may remember it is this the episode where Picard also gets, like, trapped in the turbo lift with all those children that are visiting. It basically feels like take your kid to work day and they all got stuck with the captain in the, in the turbo lift. Oh, yeah, 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 the science fair winners. Yes. Yeah, that's all the same episode. Yeah. It's great. Although, I okay, I, I didn't put this down as my, like, um, nominee for most Star Trek thing, right. but it definitely could have been. Well, say Miles, or not say, Miles. Say it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Julian just runs up to Miles outside Quarks and they go and going, congratulations, I heard Keiko's pregnant. And like, Miles has literally just found out and it's like, they're all talking about it like in the open and it's like, again, there's no space hippo? Like, come on. Um, it was really funny because this past week or last week there was a, um, Tessa showed me a list of like the top doctors in in star trek and um i we were talking about it in our in our discord and i had a little bit of a discussion with um karen who had been on our episode of the episode where i I wasn't on um talking about dr flux in enterprise and i felt like because enterprise is the first star trek that started after we had hipaa in the united states um Flox talks about privacy a lot more than some of the other doctors do, which is kind of interesting to me. 
Yeah, that was a really good conversation in our Discord. Um, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. I do feel for O'Brien because he has not really been around for the last year of Molly's life. So he doesn't really fully know what she's interested in, I think. And he wants her to be interested in darts, which is not something for children, in my opinion, because there's like, you know, pointy stuff in it. Um. <laughs> but they're they're using a non-pointy, like a I magnetic know, kind it's of just like, like, version. It's just very funny to me to like want your kid to be like into your bar game. <laughs> um, and Molly wants to co- color and he feels like a little left out with that. And I'm just like, he, you know, you'll figure out what you have in common um it's fine you got to do what the kid's interested in not what you're interested in is all i is all i mean if you're gonna play with them but the trick is before they're molly's age when they're you know under a year and like early on before they start really developing their own personalities you inundate them with children's books about your interests to kind of indoctrinate them or at least that's (laughs) what i'm trying to do with my niece (laughs) do you um do you think that o'brien knew before uh, molly was one that he wanted to be into darts I, I mean, maybe he took her kayaking. <laughs> Hopefully she didn't break any bones like he always does. Dislocated shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of things are you trying to get your niece into besides Star Trek, which um, I assume is one of them? I don't think I've actually given her anything Star Trek yet. There was like a, a like children's like book for Star Wars that was like about Ray or something. Oh, that's and then cute. like there was a Spider-Gwen book I got her like those two were like part of like presents for her shower and then i found at my friend's um comic shop that actually it's great it used to like i became friends with one of the co-owners like after but it used to be the one that was by my house before i moved and mm-hmm. now they've moved and now they're downtown again so no, it's, that's like, wonderful they followed me and i've, I've since subsequently you. like become friends with one of the uh the owners so that's great nice. um but it's like a one two threes book but it was for dungeons and dragons nice um so we'll see I've, how that goes yeah i've given Christmas. my niece some pride and Pre- uh, pride and prejudice story which actually she's a little too young for now it um it really goes into what happens it basically is like and lydia goes off with mr wickham and i'm like that might be a little racy for a baby um but i also gave like a baby book about opposites that is like the story yeah. of sense and sensibility which is really cute and Nice. There's another Pride and Prejudice one which I haven't given her yet, but it's about um, counting, and they use the number of sisters as like the basis for counting things. Nice. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Julian's been hanging out with Morn because um, Miles hasn't been around, which is sad. I mean. Not sad for for Morn, but like you could tell that both Miles and Julian are like wishing they they hung out together. And Keiko does a little bit of a matchmaking with them at the end of their <laughs> plot, and is like, "I saw Julian, and he's been really depressed." And then calls Julian and be like, "Miles has been really depressed. I'm not supposed to tell anyone, but like maybe go hang out with him for an hour or two. I do love when Keiko's like maybe two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no just really quickly about form about form about more and like to jump back when he has kind of like the dabble girls around him as julian's teaching him darts and everything else i was thinking about our, our conversation about 
um, Dabble Girls as Erotic Laborers last week with with Holly when we covered Bar Association, and I think I've come to the conclusion they're taxi they're like taxi dancers. Hmm. Are you are you familiar with taxi dancers? No. So, so they have you seen um, Sweet Charity, like the music the musical or the film adaptation? I've never heard of that. Uh, you know the song "Hey Big Spender." No. Like, hey, big spender. Burr, no, burr, I'm, burr, I'm not being no? funny. I've this, none of this is familiar to me. Oh, okay. Um, basically, like a taxi dancer, they'd be in like certain kind of like, you know, dance like nightclubs or whatever. And there'd be like a row of them and like men would come in and they'd basically pick out which one they and and they you know they compensate the the taxi dancer for this but they basically be their date in the club for the night mm. um and they'd be their dance partner and like everything else so it's definitely like a form of erotic labor sex work sex work mm. adjacent sort of thing I just so. watched uh, the episode of I Claudius where um Caligula is in charge um at the moment although he's dead now thank god um he's played as John Hurt he's played by John Hurt and it's like hor- he's horrifying but he has basically like he made he like this is obviously forced, but basically he had like at the palace where you if you were a man you'd come and pick from the various women that were there to uh, hang out with for the evening. Obviously that was way more nefarious and horrifying um, because nobody really had a choice in the matter. But yeah, Caligula is on my mind these days <laughs> sorry <Fair enough. laughs> no, I was very... literally nothing to apologize for my dude I John Hurt you should ever okay this is where I'm just gonna say unrelated to anything we're talking about I have a tendency to like watch something and then become obsessed with it obviously yeah we it's called hyperfixation. we both have AD- undiagnosed adhd yeah, we've discussed so, like, this this week is this past like few weeks has been i claudius i don't know why but like i'm not even one of those people that was like joking about the roman empire like two weeks ago on the internet um this is just i think my parents rewatched it recently and i vaguely remember my parents watching it when i was a child um like more than once Either that or it was, like, all in one week and I just was confused. Um, they have it on VHS. They have it on um, DVD. I'm watching it on Acorn TV. It's so fucking good. Everyone should watch this. Like, I'm obsessed with it. And to bring it back to Star Trek, Patrick Stewart's in a bunch of episodes. Nice. Highly recommend. There's a lot of turnover in the cast, though, because people get killed quite often. <laughs> <laughs> the um person that plays Livia who is um Claudius's grandmother was uh Sean Phillips who played the the head like Benny Gesserit mother in the David Lynch Dune bald, right baldy right. lady she was she's amazing if she was like so manipulative I was obsessed with her I think I told you my whole Game of Thrones um I mean it's not like that uncommon like that's not what i meant to say it's not like unknown that george R. R. martin like borrowed from from roman empire for his his books and i say that like not with no judgment i it makes sense and i i like it but yeah like livia is cersei lannister it's insane to me and you're watching it on acorn tv yes 
um, my folks have it as an add-on to their Amazon Prime. So, nice. Yeah. But it's great. We are not um, sponsored by Acorn TV, but I will say that they have a lot of good stuff. You know what's also good? What? Star Trek Deep Space Nine? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. So our A plot this week is that someone comes through the wormhole and uh, thinks that they're the emissary. (laughs) I don't think I realized before this episode that one of the tasks that the emissary has to do is just like randomly be blessing people. Like, he blesses a married couple, he blesses someone for their 14th birthday later in the episode. For their space bot mitzvah? Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) It's Um, like, yeah, we really are coding the Bajorans as Jewish this week, aren't we? Yeah, except she turned 14, not 13. Although... Well, I mean... No, 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 I'm I'm saying it's, like, similar enough. Um, Although in actually more religious um, circles... Some more religious circles, women don't have bat mitzvahs. Um, My mom never had one. But in, like, a lot of religious, uh, more religious groups, um, the bat mitzvah would be at 12 when the bar mitzvah would still be at 13, which is kind of, um, I don't know the the actual reasoning for that, but it it grosses me out a little bit like women become it's, women before like yeah. girls become women before boys become men it's fucking weird i don't know if like that is any like what the reason is but it just is bizarre what were you just gonna say no you 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 covered it um what's what's really like this episode kind of starts again we we have like the idea of like like, you know, the Cisco emissary arc, right? And the idea of, like, how he's uncomfortable with it and never quite like, yeah, okay, I'll give you a blessing. Like, you know, like, he's not openly, like, rejecting it like he may have in the in the past. But what really stuck out for me in this episode and kind of like the kernel of it I was talking before, the idea of, you know, the themes of faith, calling, prophecy, and like looking for signs and the ways in which like when we're seeking answers, when we're seeking meaning, we look at like, you know, the, you know, text or prophecy or whatever in front of us. And we're in, we're in this negotiation with the text to reach an outcome that may or may not be the one we want or the one we agree with or the one that suits our like you know theological or desired purpose right because like ben after akiram comes back and says he's the emissary and they're like oh well you know you found the wormhole first technically and you actually restored your life and dax to ben's like well they kind of did help you get your poop in a group he's like yeah well that's not literal and like you know like they're looking for literal like well that's just it right like the the text for an out a little bit a hundred percent and the same way that a quorum is looking for an in yes right i mean and ben says later on like the starfleet wanted him to like kind of distance himself from being the emissary because he thought it would help them in like negotiations because his whole mission is to get Bajor to join the Federation and it's very interesting that the emissary confusion might be what stops that from happening so there's like a whole lot of layers of what's going on here 
Yeah. Um, I found it really interesting that when a quorum like describes what happens to him in the wormhole, because as you know, as we obviously saw that happen to Cisco in the pilot, where he is in the wormhole talking to the prophets, and they're shown to him as people he knows in his in his life. So it's kind of there's no way this guy would have known that. So it's like you do believe that this happened to him too. Um, he just has a lot of. I mean, he con- he came from two hundred years. And so it's, there's been, there hasn't been 200 years for him, but there's been 200 years for the Bajoran people to have progress and change. And it's so like stark of a change that this guy wants to go back to the, their caste system and their caste system is also, I just to give a little bit of background is based on, you know, your family name is associated with a certain job or profession and there's they're tiered obviously so some dajaras are more important or higher up than 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 others and as you mentioned before when the cardassians occupied bejor they had they gave them up because they were like all right well now we have to just like fend for our lives basically so we need to live in a different society um I just can't imagine. Li- I just honestly cannot imagine living in that kind of society. It's so specific. Here is supposed to be an artist now. What did you think about that conversation between Kira and Odo about faith? Where like Odo's pointing out, like you know, the kind of like contradictions of you believe this last week and now these things have happened and now you believe you know that a quorum is the emissary not not cisco and here has this thing about the thing about faith is like you'll never understand it if you don't have it and then when you when when you have it it's it's everything and like you don't have to understand or whatever like that how did that sit with you i i understand what kira is saying and i do think that that's often how faith works but i feel like from my perspective, that's such a dangerous feeling. Um, I mean, I don't have faith. Like, I don't have a faith. Um, so I just, I'm very different from Kira, obviously. But, like, the idea that, like, you would just go along with something is terrifying to me and makes no logical sense. So I was kind of, like, just agreeing with what Odo was saying. Um, yeah. I don't usually have those kind of discussions with people um i do have friends that have faith but like it's not something we talk about um and it might be because they know i don't even though i'm i'm always interested but like the idea of just going along with something because you your 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 faith tells you or you have faith that it's the correct thing even though it's like the opposite of what you thought yesterday like that makes no, um, no logical sense to me as i said and i just I just think it's weird. I don't know. What do you think? One thing that I really, like, I get why people do it or why, like, people, like, think this way or, like, excuse me, portray it this way in art, but the idea of, like, having a faith of, like, whatever kind or having a belief system means you, like, completely shut your brain off. Like, it's, like, the two, like, you know, the, the two dichotomies, the Odos and the Kiras, and, like, Kira to me has always been someone who is deeply spiritual, but also like isn't 
a zealot, really. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's, like, important to her. And, like, she's working through it and, like, you know, trying to understand it and whatever. And just, like, being, oh, no, it's this today just because I have faith. Like, I didn't, that didn't ring true for me. And maybe part of that's, yeah. And maybe, like, a lot of that's probably, like, me projecting my own stuff onto Kira because I've always, like had an idea had like an issue with the idea that if you had some kind of faith or like spirituality that totally means your brain wasn't shut off whereas like i view those things as like very related things like the idea of finding power meaning inspiration in this like emotional and intellectual kind of quest for truth not that that not that you reach that or that the truth is ever there i think when you feel like you have the truth capital t capital t capital t that's where like you know it gets dangerous and the idea of like blind faith um yeah it just made me really uncomfortable and then you have like the the monk from the temple on deep space nine like murdering people over it because like the like the other vedic wouldn't you know resign to go back and do his like you know we basically, um, I feel like we see the family business of yeah. working and the, preparing the dead being like the silent sisters on Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we see like two different ways that people are reacting to this. We see the one person give their chair up to Kira because she's in a higher um, cast or Dajara. Yeah. Then then she, then because Kira is in the higher Dajara, and Kira is like very unsettled by this and. And Cisco's like, yeah, I kind of had a similar thing when I, like, became lieutenant. And Kira's like, yeah, but you earned that. Like, this is just, I didn't do anything. This is ridiculous. Um, And then you have, on the other hand, this guy literally murdering someone because they're not following the rules. Um, And it's just, he was like, I did it. Like, no remorse, no... He was like, well, if we don't, if our order doesn't do it, like, who's going to listen? And I'm just like, this is horrible. This, that to me felt very, I mean, even though the that guy is very close now with the quorum or whatever, it felt very yeah. much to me like someone spouting hate on television and then someone killing someone in real life because of what, like, feeling similarly to the person that's spouting hate. Like, it felt very... Something that is, I mean, this, there were less um, degrees of separation in this instance, in this episode, but it really felt like something that happens in our, in our world when someone is shouting like something hateful or, you know, it just felt very real. Like I could see something like that actually happening. Yeah. They're talking about deporting people that don't follow their casts. You know, they, they're telling that same monk guy tells Kira she needs to resign her commission at Deep Space Nine and go back to go be an artist. Something that Kira sucks at, even though she's done the research and found someone who is willing to apprentice her <laughs> in it. Um, I mean, obviously, you can like learn to be an artist, but like, I don't think that that would bring her joy. Yeah, does not spark joy. One thing I found, and because, um, you know, uh, a quorum felt very much like a MAGA guy to me. Like, make Bajoran Bajor great again. Because, like, he literally left that. He, two seconds ago, left the idea of what he thinks is great for Bajor. Um, but one thing I did not, su- that didn't surprise me at all, is that a quorum, like, is probably already besties with Kai Wynn. <laughs> and that they're yeah. just, like, 
willing to sacrifice their application to federation to the federation um because of this because cisco says to him like a caste system goes against the federation um this will might jeopardize your um application and he's like yeah we're fine with that yeah well didn't win like going back to like you know when she was vedic win like her order was like more orthodox and like the riles was more reformed right yeah so that yeah and that oh and it was interesting because oh they had there was an earlier conversation when he first says that he's going to go back to the jajaras and cisco says this also felt very real to me Cisco is like, so you're going to make First Minister Shakar um, resign? And he was like, no, but basically when I get through with this uh, next election cycle, no one's going to want a farmer in office. So it was just like, felt very much like they were going to destroy him in the campaign um, (laughs) media and ads. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I felt really bad for Kira. I just felt like nothing that was going on with her was like... I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I think of what you were saying, how that conversation with Odo made you uncomfortable and how it felt like... Not like something she would have said. And I wonder if she was like telling... It was like a fake it till you make it, maybe? Yeah. No, I... I, Yeah. I can... Which is something I do all the time. Um, Not with something that serious, but like... Sometimes if I know something is like has to work a certain way, I'll be like, all right, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great until you are doing great. Hopefully that happens. I really, um, I don't know how much else I have to say about casts and, and the plot in general, but I did really like how they wrapped up and Cisco's like, why don't we just go um, hang with the prophets and see what they have to say? <laughs> About who the emissary is. Um, I do like that Cisco. I I wonder if it was part of the, like the last straw for him was like okay this is they're not going to be joining the Federation if this continues was like where he really. I can't tell if it was like because he felt casts were wrong or because they weren't going to join the Federation. It could be both. That Cisco was like okay Mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't totally ditch being emissary. Like maybe I am a better choice. Well, and it's it's interesting that like Cisco talking about the idea of like you know contradictions and like you know the idea of like negotiations with the text, where he's like Starfleet was never really comfortable with you know me being considered the emissary and wanting me to tone it down, but now that I'm not, and Bejor saying like fuck you to the the Federation app membership application, Starfleet's mad at Cisco and is like yo dude you failed to bring Bejor that was in the Federation that was like your whole mission, that's <laughs> like damn dude that sucks it really does suck it didn't yeah i wonder what i mean i guess there'd be no show anymore if it, if it went the other way <laughs> yeah and then it's just when they went to quorum and and ben go to the wormhole you know and they have those the realizations that you know we're, we reset everything back um <laughs> linear time and our understanding of it getting in the way of the prophet's plans again they're like Oh yeah, you guys think linearly. Ben taught us about that, but uh, we don't we don't work in the same way as you do. Mm-hmm. Two hundred years, yesterday doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I would agree with you, what you said at the start that it's not like my favorite episode or anything, but I think it has some interesting things to say. 
It's a fun flying time on the couch watching Star Trek. Exactly. Now it's time for the Altair Water Thirst Quencher. Altair Water first being mentioned in the context of Star Trek and Star Trek Three with Dr. McCoy. Also likely a reference to Alta from Altair 4 in the movie Forbidden Planet. Um, Elise, I'm gonna like bur- I'm gonna like burn some pot here. I wasn't really thirsting for anyone this week, were you? No. The beers that Julian and Miles were drinking looked pretty tasty, but that was about it. Yeah, literal, literal thirst, literal thirst. Is that um, not what we're always talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no euphemisms. <laughs> no euphemisms here. Um, my candidate for most Star Trek thing of the episode is we have a comedic B plot in the face of a society shifting, dramatic A plot. Um, I would say that's a really good one. Um, mine, which just hit me like in the last minute or two is that um they like let some like timey-wimey shit happen but apparently the timeline doesn't change um it may it 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 was funny given that i'm like also watching loki season two but i haven't watched this last week's episode but like that show is all about timeline changes (laughs) so yeah it's just like a bunch of stuff happens and it doesn't um matter i am enjoying season two i know it's been like i feel like i've seen like controversial um or varying opinions on this but i am i am liking it yeah i haven't started it yet it's not like i have to watch it immediately like the episodes are kind of long like this week's i didn't watch yet because it was we were going to we went to see uh, killers of the flower moon yesterday and before that we were watching we watched the the new episodes of um, our flag means death and then we only really had an hour before we had to leave and i had to like shower and stuff so we didn't watch um loki but it was only because it was like an hour long episode so some of the episodes are a bit long but yeah yeah, i'm liking it nice all right elise until next time where can folks find more of you on the internet you can find me on Blue Sky Letterbox and Storygraph at Chicken Tendi, T-E-N-D-I. You can find my other podcast, Fangbangers Pod, on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Fangbangers Pod. That's bangers with a Z, as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, you can catch me um, sometimes, not so often, on Twitter. Um, you can catch me on Blue Sky and Letterboxd, all at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch us together on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Podrace, and you can email us at podrace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.